Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 40 of History on the Table. Hey Rich, how are you? I'm good. I'm busy, but I'm good. You know, I'm thrilled because you know what's going on right now as we speak, Matt? K-State's tied with Oklahoma. Yeah, but I don't care about that. The oh, Blues okay. are playing. Wow. Is it, Oh, this is, uh, they're is. playing in Kansas City. Oh, is that one in Kansas City? I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, they're doing I knew the, they had the one there, games. but yeah. Yeah, Blues, uh, obviously still preseason, but yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. Oh, I take that back. This is the Coyotes game. I, their next preseason game, which is on Monday, okay. I believe, is in Kansas City. Yeah. And I think they did that last year, too, right? Uh, they didn't do it last year or the year before because okay. of COVID, but they've done it in the past. Yeah. And that was actually my very first hockey game was seeing Blues and uh, the Wild. Nice. One of these years, I'm going to have to come up to KC so we can watch one of those preseason games together. Or yeah. you could come here and we have many more selections. <laughs> That's right. 41 games to choose from. I, I will take you up on that. You better be careful. <laughs> yeah. And just a score update, although it's irrelevant because by the time this <laughs> right. goes live, the game will be over. But for those who are curious, K-State is up 21-14 to 14 on Oklahoma. Yeah. How and, uh, about then? Yeah, listener Patrick and I were commiserating today on the battle of two terrible SEC teams as the Missouri Tigers lost to the Auburn Tigers. And I think neither team really wanted to win that game. So that's all we have to say about college football. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, believe it or not, this is not a college football. And as often as we try to make it so, it's also not a hockey uh, podcast either. This is a historical board game podcast, yeah. and we're here to talk about games. Games. Games are good. I like games. Games are good. We don't We don't have any updates. We don't have any news to go through. GMT jumped the gun so early. I know. We're, we're not even going to touch about it. that. Yeah, we're completely out of sync. Gonna boycott GMT. <laughs> yeah, right. That's not true. <laughs> we still love you. So, without any other preamble from us, I I guess let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I um. You want to do games on the shelf? Yeah, let's do that. What All you right. Got? Not a whole lot for me. Um, but I did pick up a game that you guys will hear about later in the year. I picked up Second Fleet. Awesome. So yeah. welcome. Yeah, and I opened up the box. Obviously, it's a used copy. It's, you know, 40 years old or whatever. But I open it up, and the first thing I see is a big Ziploc bag with every counter in there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> so I haven't even taken it out to sort it yet. I started looking over the rules on it, but hopefully everything's in there. Otherwise, I've got a uh, a rule book and a vassal module. There you go. Well, uh, so Fleet is often regarded, I think as one of the best war game series ever. Yeah. Uh, it's from Victory Games, and this is Second Fleet is North Atlantic. Yes. Which is kind of the driving factor of why that one may be on your shelf. Yeah, absolutely. Although Finland is not represented, so. They're not in there. there. <laughs> I mean, the like Northeast. I said, I haven't even taken the map out yet, so they're they're up there somewhere. Oh, up you know what? I think they're water areas. barely clipped in at the top, like the map... Ireland is kind of in the middle of the map, and you get like a tiny taste of Finland, enough to satisfy my hunger. <laughs> as long as they're represented. That's right. Hungary That's right. is not on there. Oh, well, <laughs> don't, know, don't know what to tell you about that one. Speaking of Hungary, none of these games that I got have anything to do with Hungary, but I am excited about all of them. So first up is Thunder at Dawn, which you had picked up early in the year. This is Blind Swords, but 
set in Missouri. This is Battle of Wilson's Creek. I just I didn't got a copy yet, and I've I've had an urge lately to play some blind swords. So interesting. Thunder at dawn. Yeah, that's cool because I was actually just um, so part of the reason I haven't picked up much, and I mean I'm I don't have a lot that I played. I've just been super busy at work, and I was thinking about what can I just you know just to scratch the edge, have something really light that I don't even need to look at the rule book because I already know the game. And I was thinking of a blind swords game and I, I might do that sometime in the next couple weeks just so I can have something on the table. Nice. Yeah. Well, and let me know if Dawn, you do. I, I've played well, two of them, I guess three, if you include 1870. Um, but I think thunder and Dawn is the one I like the best. Nice. Well, that's good to hear. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Also, there's no segue to these other two so let's just get around the way conquest and consequence right so this is the pacific theater version of triumph and tragedy which i have played triumph and tragedy mm-hmm. and really enjoyed as a three-player war game which will be featuring a three-player war game tonight this is not it but i don't know this is one that's kind of been living in my head since it came out is how oh, should i've gotten that should i've gotten that and i, I finally just decided to pull a trigger because of noble knights game okay yeah, this is one I've been interested in, too. Um, I haven't played either of them, but both of them look interesting to me. So Very light. to hear. Okay. But from what I... I enjoyed my time with Triumph and Tragedy. Being light is not a, a downside by any means. So, And then the last thing was, if you go back and listen to uh, the interview with Fred Serval... Mm-hmm. And then I think he did a YouTube series on top five war games, maybe even as well, where this was also mentioned. And that's Napoleon, the Napoleon series from Shakos Games. And I grabbed 1815 because I think it was the most recent one. Although now that I say that, I think a new one just came out. So have, have you heard of Shakos before, Rich? I don't think so, no. Yeah, so they have this. I bet if you saw a cover of one of their games, you'd be like, oh, that's that company. There are the Napoleon games with, like, striking bold colors at the bottom, and mm-hmm. then they have some kind of picture of Napoleon at the top. I, I don't think these are very heavy, but it's uh, everyone that has played these I've heard good things about. They're block Napoleonics games, obviously, Napoleon. Uh, yeah, so I'll let you know once I finally get it played. Okay, cool. Which, who knows when that'll be. Yeah, uh, before we get too far, what are you drinking tonight? What was I drinking? I actually finished my drink already. Mm. So I I was in the mood for a white Russian, and I didn't have any Kahlua. So I just completely made up something. And I went with vodka and Diet 7-Up and some heavy cream in there. And it was really good. But I, I we were like at the last of the bottle of vodka, and it was there was like probably a double plus something in there. So I probably ended up with, you know, more than a double of vodka in there and just because I wasn't going to tote that tiny little bit back in the fridge. So, um, yeah, that's what I drank, and it was really good. But now it's gone, and I'm sad. Well, sorry you're dry, <laughs> but you could always make another one. Yeah. Although you are well, out of vodka, vodka, so you have though, to mix so it up. I could make a sink pack. I also decided to stay on theme tonight because if you look at the maps of both of our featured games, they both featured water. So, <laughs> it only makes sense to enjoy a sink pack, which is a basically a modified old-fashioned created by Chester Nimitz because yeah. he didn't have all the ingredients. Uh, it's very good. It's two ounces of bourbon, 
a sugar cube with a few dashes of bitters mm-hmm. melted down with some hot water. And you put that over ice, and then you add in an ounce of bourbon. Rum. You already said the bourbon. <laughs> and then you add in an ounce of rum. <laughs> well, you could add yeah, in just, an ounce of just, bourbon. And just then, the yeah. two original ounces. So two ounces of bourbon, one ounce yeah. of rum, a sugar cube, bitters, and a little bit of hot water to melt down the sugar to start. And they are fantastic. Yeah. So anytime I go out and I order a mixed drink, an old-fashioned is usually my go-to mm. because everybody knows how to make it. I just – I love them. And now since I – have discovered the sink pack that's what my go-to making at home but twice now i've i've gone out and i've asked for i've even told them how to make it and they're like no we don't know what that is we're not making that for you, <laughs> you just ask so, for a yeah i mean yeah those. just make me an old-fashioned and put some rum in there that's all yeah you or just do. ask for a rum shot or something i don't yeah. know <laughs> but then they're gonna bring you like malibu or something you're like this isn't it <laughs> yeah well i wanted to stay on theme tonight and so both of these games really just just yeah. Scream Chester Absolutely. Nimitz to when me. I, when I think of uh, the Russian Revolution, I think of Nimitz. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Russian Revolution, have you been reading something? I have. I've read a book. It was, let's see if you can guess the title. It's called The Russian Revolution, uh, A New History. And it's by a guy named Sean McKeegan, who I've, I've never read before. Um, and to be honest, it's it's fine. It's not like enthralling. It's not captivating but it it tells you the history it starts with you know obviously the czar it goes back all the way to like the late 1800s and you know what he did you know the czar up until the time that they overthrew him and you know it's an interesting history book but it's not it's not particularly captivatingly written or anything like that so i'll just leave it at that I assume you're trying to stay on on theme for reds. I've yeah. not I've not read it, and I I didn't get enough time to. But there's a book called White Eagle Red Star. Okay, it's written by Norman Davies. So White Eagle Red Star is the Polish Soviet War after right. the Russian Revolution, right? right. I want to say that the guy who wrote that did, and now I could be wrong. Now I'm second guessing myself. Well, I think there is someone who has written both, which is completely unhelpful to our listeners. Who has written both the Russian Revolution and Polish Soviet War book? Okay, but now I can't find them, so sorry so, to be of no help. Yeah, and it's not reading, but um, just sticking with the history. We could talk about that later, I guess. But one thing I would highly recommend for anyone always is Dan Carlin Hardcore History. Oh yeah, um, and he had a great series on World War One, and I think I think maybe the last episode was Russia dropping out of the war and into the Russian Revolution. So that, I mean, that that is always captivating. So I would definitely recommend that. But this book was just, it was fine. Okay. Well, I read a book that was way better than fine. Awesome. And that was My War Gone By, I Miss It So by Anthony Lloyd, recommended by uh, Brian, right? Yeah, I think that's who. It was either Brian or uh, Randy. There was two books recommended to us anyways this one was fantastic it covers a so anthony lloyd was in the british military as an officer and then kind of didn't renew up after after the gulf war Mm -hmm. and then just as an excuse to get back to a war zone became a photojournalist okay and it's his memoir of the yugoslav wars and there is a lot of focus in bosnia like he goes to sarajevo in the middle of it and stuff like that and so it's part memoir of his time there his own personal struggles like he's i think 
at the time of the Yugoslav Wars, he is a heroin junkie. So he's mm. like writing about those struggles and stuff. And it's fantastic. I wouldn't recommend it as the... I want to know the history of the Yugoslav Wars, which are a giant mess anyway, so good luck sure. with that. But as a memoir, it's fantastic. I actually wrapped it up on Friday on my way home from work, and I highly recommend it. My War Gone By, I Miss It So. Excellent. By Anthony Lloyd. Cool. All right. Uh, let's get back to games. I think we're going to get to our featuring games in, in no time. This I week. know. It's going to be super quick. Uh, I've got more than you, so I'll start. And I think the first one I'll start with is Tarwa 1943. So this is a solo block war game that obviously covers Tarwa. It looks great on the table. And when it came out, I saw a lot of like buzz about it. And I think Sebastian Bay from Georgetown and, yeah. and CNA and stuff, he talked about it a lot. I remember watching a live play of it on YouTube and it looked really interesting to me at the time, but I didn't pick it up. It looks interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of where I'll I'll like stop because it's it's a solo game and it's an island landing, so I get it. It's supposed to be hard yeah. or or difficult. But have you played any of the Butterfield D Day games? I've not. Okay. And I've heard great things about that. I've only played one of those, but I mean that like really feels it's it's very very hard and very interesting and good so i mean i don't mind hard especially with a solo game but it's got to be interesting <laughs> well and i agree with you 100 percent. but i think this is just hard to be hard yeah without any other reason behind it just for example a six inflicts a step loss for the japanese if they roll six it's a step loss as the D6 American, system? Yeah, okay. you roll you roll a bunch of d6. Or it's 3d6 okay. for the Japanese and then you can the American player has these cards, but it takes two sixes on a d6 to inflict the loss as the Americans. Mm. And it I get it it's an island landing but like you can re-roll your dice but then you're affecting like your combat effectiveness of that what is it? Is it Brigade? I don't even remember what the scale is now. Anyways, you need pairs of dice to really do anything effective as the Americans. Otherwise, you're you're spending a lot of your only resources, which is combat effectiveness. And you're also only taking one action a turn. I don't know. It, it was fine. It didn't live up to the hype. Yeah. Well, the D-Day system, if you can play any of those, uh, the one that I've played anyway, Pillaloo, was very good. I've heard... Um, so they've got, I know they've got an Omaha Beach one. They've got a couple other Pacific ones. I can't remember what's all in there, but I like sure. those. So, But that's not what I played this month. What I played this month was actually not very much. Um, I was, like I said, I was super busy at work, but um, I, I did play a little bit more Pacific War. Um, I was hoping to move on to the the campaign scenarios, which are the, the highest level outside of playing strategic, which is just the entire war. Um, and I started looking through those. I'm like, I just, I don't have the brain space for this right now. So I played some more battle scenarios and I've been continuing on with those and I'm just loving the hell out of the game. It's still on my table. Um, I do think it's interesting the way you were just talking about terrible with like, you know, having a different level to inflict steps and everything. I think a lot of those games, and I can see this in Pelelieu. I mean, they're trying to model 
how good the Japanese defenses were and how hard it was for the Americans to push through those. Um, right. And I think maybe, you know, it's it's just a difficult thing to do. Pacific War does a pretty cool thing in that. So if you're, you know, the allies and you're 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 chasing that the Japanese around and a lot of the islands are only one hex, but, you, you know, you can force a retreat on them and then they're going to inflict casualties, significant casualties often back on your ground units as well. So ground combat is not a big part of the game. Um, it's mostly, you know, airstrikes, naval bombardment, but obviously you got to take the ground and I think it's modeled well in the Pacific War. I actually I haven't played in the the battle scenarios or the, the yeah, the battle scenarios. I don't think I've played any like purely ground stuff like Burma or anything like that, but I think that's what I'm going to try to do in the next couple weeks just so I can see more of the the ground combat. Nice. Yeah, I do think I agree with you. I the reason why Tarawa is hard is cuz you're trying to portray exactly what you said. I just don't think this is a, okay, here's how the Japanese fire, and here's how you fire, and you're just half as good. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's the game. And right. so you just roll, and you consider re-rolling dice, but at the same time, you're just taking hits and getting, like, I don't know. It, it wasn't, I don't think it was that thoughtful, and I could be wrong. It just wasn't for me. So yeah. I'll stick in World War Two, and let's pop over to Mark Simonich's latest game, at least latest game in the Zokmon series, Salerno 43. Yeah. Uh, so there's a there's a YouTube video in this and and VOD uh, up on Twitch if you want to go see just a very light rules down rules rundown of Slurno 43. Uh, this is Zokmon system, so it's very straightforward. You go, I go, World War II hex encounter with some fun chrome thrown in and the rules of Zokmon where your units when they're you know at least one when they're one space apart from each other, not adjacent, they'll make a bond with each other. Not going to give a full run, f- yeah. full rundown. We've we've covered these games. What I will say is this feels exactly this feels more Normandy forty four than it does Stalingrad forty two. That's not a bad thing. Is it and a this scale is, thing? Is this this is a smaller one than like it Ukraine is. or yeah? It just or, feels uh, like I guess it there's Ukraine, but then there's also Stalingrad. Those are different games. This one's smaller. Yes, right. This is a very small one map. Okay, not very counter dense. And the rules are specific, more in line with Normandy. And you can also see where some of the rules that are present in all the other games I've played are not present here. And they don't take away from anything, and it does streamline the game a little bit. Um, but it, this is a good, all-around just good intro to this system, I think. We're going to keep yeah. playing it. Um, it's you know it's not going to be the top dog. And, and my favorite, I do find it's interesting because it's, it's Salerno, which... Yeah, doesn't get a lot of coverage. Yeah, and I have this one. I haven't played it yet, so it's it's on my list. But yeah, I it's like a micro. It's yeah. very much a micro Normandy forty four. Cool. And the last thing I played is Flashpoint South China Sea. So this just came out last month or the month before from GMT Games and Harold Buchanan. This is like in the same vein as Red Flag over Paris or some of those quick playing GMT games. It's a card driven game. And your menu of options are very limited. So your operations, you can play the card for the event. Operations to place cubes. You can collect, uh, conduct political events. Or you can match a symbol on your card with an opponent's discarded card to copy that event. Um, there's only really two ways to... I guess there's three ways to put your cubes out on the board. Mm-hmm. Anyways... 
I think I read the rules in, you know, 10 minutes and was up and ready to play in an evening and, and we took 40 minutes to go through the game. It's interesting. The decisions felt more interesting than I, I don't know if I like it as much as Red Flag Over Paris. I think the there may be more interesting decisions to make than Red Flag Over Paris, but then I'm also now wondering, are they actual interesting decisions or is there really only one way to win? Like, should yeah. you even be doing this action or should you only be focusing on economics? And I don't, I need to play it some more. Yeah. I haven't played this one or there's a couple others. There's Golan and Indian Ocean. Aren't there a couple other in this series? No, you're thinking of the Compass game stuff. Oh, those are different ones. Okay. This is completely different. Well, I haven't yeah. played this one either then. Yeah. So here's the deal. This is. Oh, I was thinking of fast action battles. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, yeah fast flash sure yeah. i get it i think if you go to miniature market right now or, or wherever pick your favorite online retailer <laughs> i think this is like a 40 dollar game okay and that's okay you can get it for 34 bucks so if you're not paying shipping that's probably fair msrp is 45 bucks this is not a 45 dollar game it needs like half the box size it comes with it's very fast. Like you should be thinking in lines of Fort Sumter and not in terms of like Atlantic chase. Yeah. I'm I just thinking naval. I bounced here. off Fort Sumter hard. So, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I'm, I'm just meaning like in terms of depth, the rules are super simple. I like it. I'm going to keep playing it. I don't think I would spend more than $34 for this game. That seems like too much. It, it's a very good, and speaking of this, we did our top five filler war games with Judd Vance on the website. Go check that out. You throw this in your bag for the convention when you need to kill time. Because if you both know this game, you can play this game in 25 minutes. Guarantee it. Yeah. Which makes it quick even for like a game day game. Yes. Yes. Right. The problem is I think they, at 45 bucks, I don't think it's worth it. Just being honest. All right. All right. Well, we covered some games, but now we should play a game. Yeah, do we have one? Of course. All right. You're not just making it up as you go. No, no. Because you I've could just it. like throw out some random clue, and if I guess it right away, you could pick another one that meets the same clue. That's right. Rich, do you know what time it is? I don't know. It is. It's 8.43. Oh, it's, no. no, it's it's war game, 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 game time. Come on down. It's time for the war game game. It's the, You're the game. next contestant. It's the game of games. All right. How's it work? Uh, there's 10-ish clues. I'll never really tell you how many there are. Rich can get a maximum of 10 points. Every clue he gets reduces his point maximum. The only way he can ever get 10 points is if he gets really lucky and gets it on the first crack. I love how there's 10-ish. There's like at least the possibility that I could go past 10 and get a negative score. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> All right. I get my free guess, right? You get a free guess. Uh, Prague, an empty triumph. No, what? Dang it! That's a that's a bar game. Oh, okay. Is a reason. Okay. Well, not that one. <laughs> Definitely not that one. Okay, this game came out in 1999. 1999, Samurai. No. All right. This is a strategic level game. Hmm. Julius Caesar. Nope. This game was published by GMT Games. All right. 
I think it was called the Great Battles of Julius Caesar, but you know what I meant. Well, that's tactical. Oh, is it? Oh, oh yeah. Great, oh, great yeah, Battles of History? Great Battles of History. Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I saw people opening it up recently and, uh, well, well, not even open it. I saw a lot of people getting it in the mail recently, so that's why it was on my mind. Oh, yeah. I, sure, sure, sure. Okay. All right. Uh, successors. Did that first come out in 99, maybe? I don't know, but no. No. All right. This is... I don't even know if this is helpful. This is a six-time, six-time Charles S. Roberts Award winner. Wow. Hmm. Six. Huh. I don't even know how that's possible. But I don't follow CRs. <laughs> is it? Is it U-boat? <laughs> no. 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 It's not that. Um. No. Let me give you a real guess. Ninety-nine. Oh, convenient. Well, no, I knew it wasn't you, but that's just, that's the, that's my whipping boy for CSR. Well, that's, that's probably the other six times yeah, CSR award yeah. winner. <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, that could be how it could be six times. Cause it'd be multiple categories. Um, siege of Jerusalem. No, no. Cause that's Avalon Hill anyway. Never mind. All right. No more free guesses. This is a card driven game. All right. Um, when did Paths of Glory first come out? I'll say Paths of Glory. You got it. That's it. Oh, nice. That's it. Yeah. It was going to get pretty yeah. easy after that. <laughs> yeah, we're we're featuring a Ted Racier game yeah. tonight. So I just got another Ted email Racer. on that. Someone was listening. One of the listeners was saying, hey, I heard you wanted to play a full game. So I think I said, I can't do it right now. It's going to be a couple weeks. But yes, I definitely want to. I still, we talked about that last month, and I haven't been able to play a full game of it, which I really want to. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, good job, Rich. Five whole points. There we go. That's respectable. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess are you going we'll to crawl? Are you going to crawl into bed tonight and tell your wife like I scored five points? I am. That'll be some sexy time, man. That turns her and, on. And you know what she would say to you? <laughs> she said she would say, "Pass of Glory was a six-time winner." <laughs> So and next time, say, come back with I six. I got it at seven. <laughs> 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 That's what Mitchell texted us in a couple days. Ding, ding. Yeah. Oh, okay. He probably got it on the 99, let's be honest. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of Ted Racer, we yeah. have two featured games tonight. What a night. And We're one of them do. is by him. <laughs> one of them is by him. That's why, yes, thank you for finishing my segue. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to be talking about Reds, uh, and we're also going to be talking about, uh, I wrote Next War Brotherhood and Unity, and to my knowledge, there is no Next War Bosnia, but I guess never say never. Could be, after Iran. <laughs> uh, and Brotherhood and Unity. So we're here on TED. Let's talk about, and I'm buying time to get the full name of Reds, because obviously it has a subtitle. It's Reds, the Russian Civil War, 1918 to 1921, designed by Ted Racer. Published in 2001, two years after Red Flags Over Paris, or gosh, Paths of Glory, <laughs> and um, published by GMT Games. Do you know who one of the developers was on this game, Rich? Developers? Yes. There were two credited developers. One was um, Andy... Lewis, Andy Lewis, who is who has been credited on all kinds of stuff. There's another developer that was credited. Do you know who it was? Uh, I know Mark Simmons is to do the art for it. Is he a developer as well? It wasn't Mark. Okay. Then who was it? Volko. Ah, cool. 
This is a chip pull game, pitting the Reds against a bunch of the Whites, which represent a whole bunch of Russian factions as well as allied intervention forces just a whole bunch of other factions working together to try and outlast the reds yeah uh it's very we'll dive into your overall thoughts the last the one thing i want to paint real quick is i think it was a little bit ahead of its time maybe in the in the chip pull area yeah i do think it shows some of its age for being over 20 years old but the rules are something like 15 pages Mm-hmm. This is a very easy game with a lot of flavorful chrome. Yeah. So, yeah, my first thought as I was playing it was, so we talked a few months ago, I want to say maybe like late spring-ish, about a game that I played for a while called Konigsberg 45. Do you remember that one? Yes, of course. So as I was playing this game, I kept thinking, this is everything that Konigsberg 45 is supposed to be. Hmm. It it has a similar feeling to it, um, but it's actually fun to play for both sides. (laughs) So, and and the reason I say that is, I mean, it's, it's a small game. It's, it's a one map game, like all the, the tables and everything are right on the map. I mean, in scale, it looks very similar to Konigsberg 45. Um, It, it is um, asymmetrical in that. So the reds, the, the reds start sort of on the middle of the map and they've got more powerful single armies, but the whites, have basically like a coalition is the best way to describe it of a lot of different armies and they get stronger as the game goes on because eventually the poles are going to join in um some of their units are gonna they've got like some some british units that can only defend they can't attack they don't do a whole lot but um they've got a lot of guys up in siberia they've got some southern guys and they get more reinforcements whereas the reds you know they kind of they start with what they have and they can rebuild but they're not going to get any new guys and they're they're going to start out very powerful but they're going to get you know encroached upon as the game goes on they end up having to defend a lot of fronts in my experience so um it, it has a nice asymmetric quality to it both sides play very different um but both sides are are in it the whole time and i do want to say in the total honesty i haven't completely played through this game yet we've got about half the game in so what is that like eight ten twelve turns or something like that um playing the full game online um but i've got a good feeling for it and i mean we're just we're having a lot of fun so far i've been playing the whites and you know at the beginning those red armies are a lot more powerful you get your butt kicked but the whites just keep coming back and you've got more guys coming so yeah, worth noting, though, you have reinforcements, but that's kind of it, because the Whites have a lot of troops that can never come back if they die. That's true, yeah. And But it's also, the game is not particularly bloody in combat, meaning that um, in a single combat, you cannot completely destroy someone because you can't do two hits and basically everyone there i think there's some one hit guys but most most of the counters are are two steps and you can't do two steps in combat in one combat you can do one step to everyone in the stack and force them all to retreat is the worst you can do so it takes at least two combats to to really kill a unit yeah i guess unless you like prevented them like you had them encircled yeah, or, or something like that or yeah. if or if it, the garrison's last thing there and some garrisons if they die don't come back right for the whites i i agree 100 percent with 
most of what you said, and I wanted to focus on the asymmetric nature of this game. It, I do think it's cool that you have a very, generally speaking, rules-like game. Combat is kind of weird, but it's very straightforward. But then all this chrome is dumped in to make them feel like two completely very different sides. First off, when the whites start out with their chits, other than the armies that aren't on the board yet, they can they activate everyone. The Russians, and this is a little bit weird, are determined are required to get more leaders, which is based on a random event roll. Yep. To get more chits into the cup. Otherwise they have a base of three. One of those is their choice. Actually all three if they of have the initiative. Re- oh, oh, to put into the cup, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well field staff is you can activate right. any any front. And so whereas the the whites player is activating different groups like Siberians or something like that, the Russian player is or the Reds is dealing with fronts, South fronts, Central Asia front. And what I what I particular I only played this solo. What I particularly liked about this is the fact that the Reds have two ways of winning. You can go with like the juicy important stuff in Poland. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is like Kharkov and Moscow and you know, name your major Russian cities, right? And right. You, or Petrograd, all those places. You need to control those and then take over Poland. Or you can ignore Poland completely and try to take over every dinky little city in yeah. Russia. Yeah. And you can't do both, but you have to do one or the other. And then the whites are just kind of... The reds have basically, since they spread out from the middle... Everything has to move on on rails. You can't get too far away from your rail lines or you're going to be out of supply. So all your offensive needs to be set up on where you can get supply over rail, or I should say river, river and rail. Um, And so as as they start branching out, then the whites are just looking for ways to counterattack wherever the main thrust of the reds is. And then also put down... um, not not terrorists. What what's the word I'm thinking of? Partisans. Yeah, partisans. Yeah. Yeah. To really disrupt supply by yeah. like parking them on a rail hex. Yep. And the whites also have a number of guys that are geographically based so that can only go a certain yes. number of hexes from their their home city. So yeah, the 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 two sides play very differently, and I I mean I like it. the 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 whites have some decently powered units, um, but. For the most part, the red armies are all stronger, but the whites get more of them, and the reds can't stack very well either. I do want to talk about the combat, though, because that, I think, is really interesting. What? Which side are you playing in your whites. Uh, opposing game? You're playing the yeah. whites. Yeah, let's talk about combat. Then. The way combat works is, so every unit has a strength, like a manpower strength number, um, which is, you've got one for, so, say, like the reds, a lot of those guys are just fours, and the whites are ones and twos for the most part. Um, and then they all have an attack number and a defense number, so like a plus one or a plus two, or a lot of times the guys are even a minus one for attacking or something like that. Minus three. Yeah, but then what you do is you 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 start off with your initial odds based on manpower, strength, and terrain, and then you're each going to roll a die, and you're going to add up or subtract all of your pluses and minuses for everyone that's involved in the contact combat. And then you're going to take it that number and you're going to, or well, actually before you do your pluses and minuses, you're going to multiply it by the numbers of counters you have in the combat. So you might end up with like, I've only got two manpower here. 
but well, let's say I've got four manpower because I've got two ones and a two, but I'm going to take that four and I'm going to roll a die. I'm going to multiply it by three and then I'm going to add plus six to it. So I'm going to end up with a pretty decent number just because I've got three counters instead of their one. Yeah, so the manpower number Rich was talking about, the two and the one and the one, sets your uh, odds calculation yeah. on the chart. And then you multiply based on counters, and then you factor in each counter's die roll modifier. Mm-hmm. So if you come with four, you're getting all of them. And so you may end up with, if you come with four counters and your die roll modifier ends up being a net minus one and you roll a six, you're at a 23. Right. And then maybe you're, the guy you're defending is like the fifth red army who has a strength power of four but has a minus one on defense. And he rolls, or they roll, and they roll a four. There's one counter times four. That's four minus one is three. So now you're dealing with, I'm going to say our number was 24 just for simple math as 24 to four. And then you go find that differential on the, it's very. Yeah. And I think it maxes out at like plus 17. So that's going to be everyone takes it. Everyone in the red loss column takes a step and a retreat. But yeah. even so, even if you max that out, they're still not going to take two steps. They won't. And I guess that's my gut reaction to the combat differential system where you multiply based off the number of counters there and all this stuff is i thought wow this is really really dependent on the multiplication die yeah but then i guess if you go look at the i don't know what would the combat look like if you if you took that out i guess is my gut it's kind of like the surprise rule in ocs yeah where it feels bad if you get a crazy die roll shift very swingy but does it really matter? Like, how much does it shift it if you go two columns right and you rolled a four? Like, is a four two columns yeah. to the right that much different? So is a well, plus seven differential that much different than a plus six differential? And the, the answer is no, because your combat odds table isn't that swingy. Or your your combat odds column isn't that swingy. Right. Like I said, the most you can do is everyone takes a step and everyone retreats. But I think what it does is it forces the red and the white player to play a little differently. The white guy is going to want to um, bring in more counters, try to get, you know, and the red guy, he he can't stack. So, I mean, I think he's got like a six manpower stacking until they get a bunch of leaders in. So those those four manpower guys are never really going to be able to stack with anyone. I mean, with some exceptions. So it 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 dictates the way you're going to play. Sure. Yeah. I, I do think I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, I, it does drive how you're going to play. I don't know how I feel about it though. Oh, really? I think it's, it's better interesting. Than, and it's better than the other multiplication game is, um, Hakapale. The Second World War. Oh, the one you just played. Okay. And this is so much more streamlined than that. Interesting. Yeah. So you're comparing it to a game, or we're both comparing it to a recent game that we didn't like. But I'm definitely comparing it favorably because this one feels like it fixes the issues in that one. I don't think this, other than the multiplication and the combat, I I wouldn't really compare this to Hakapale. 
I'm I'm so focused on the combat aspect. Yeah. And I want to say, I guess what I should back up and say, I really like this game. For a 20-year-old game, 21-year-old game, it's chip pull. Yeah. It's not... I guess when the pulls come on, like, the counter density does build up. It doesn't start out hot. I mean, it starts out hot and heavy because you're in the action, like, you're trying to capture the Imperial Gold and all this stuff. It gets more counter dense, but it's never overwhelming. You're not dealing with OCSI stacks or anything like that here. It also plays super fast because, you know, you're going to pull the, as the Russians, you're going to pull your Central Asia front chit and be like, uh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Or <laughs> either side. I mean, really, there's the guys over on the, on the right hand side of the map. Like, okay, I guess I'll move them up three spaces up the road. Yeah. Until the Northern army <laughs> shows up. So it's, it's Northern army and Islamics. Yeah. Uh, Islamic whites. And. Until the Northern Army's there, it's like... Um, <laughs> yeah, but even then, there's like one victory space on that whole side of the map, so... But if they're going for the control every city... Then they have... Yeah, sure. Then it does become important. Sure. Which... So... That's... I, I want to talk about that, because I think that's two different approaches, and I like that it speaks to different wargamers. So playing solo, I decided as the Russians... To, I just decided I didn't really want to mess with Poland. So I was going for the every city approach. And it is very granular. Like, you have to get over the, like, the eastern bank of the Black Sea. And then you have to go way over <coughs> into central, the central Asia front we're just talking about. I don't even know if, like, Merv is over there. And so it gets very granular. But I like that as the Reds... I feel like it speaks to two different players, and I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, and you can even, I mean, you don't have to declare which one you're going for. Oh, either. yeah. You can, you know, base it on how a couple combat rolls go. You know, the polls, the polls don't even come into the game until the the second, what, strategic turn, I think they're called. So basically, like, eight turns into the game or something like that. So, And they all come on at half strength, so... It could be that you're in position to take advantage of them before they ramp up. And if you get a couple lucky hits, you go that way. And if you don't, you know, they come on, they get a couple lucky hits against you. You pull back and you say, okay, well, we're going the other route. I talked about how rails and river are extremely important in this game. Basically, you have to stay on them. Um, another big aspect of this game is the random events table. Both sides have their own. What what did you think as a whole is the game too dependent on it's so it's you roll 2d6 right. it's 2 through 12 so uh, a big thing that the random events does is it allow it lets you bring in support things like armor and gunboats and i think there's even some air units in the game that you can use to do combat support um, armored trains things like that those things aren't necessarily game breaking but if one side is getting a lot of those and the other side isn't, it can, it can, it can definitely tilt the balance. So that's one thing I did notice about the random events is that they can, they can change the game significantly, but you know, I mean, they're random events. I guess that's what they're designed to do. On on one hand, I love that the random events are in there. It's one of my, th you know, when we talk about um, beyond the Rhine, beyond the Rhine OCS title that includes a, a very d it's a d66 based random event so wide range of random events i'd love that in a game i do wonder if if i played this game a lot would you see like a bias 
you know, whites have important stuff tied to the random events. Basically, mm-hmm. the Allied intervention forces, so like the Brits and the U.S., if you actually want them to attack, you can only do that if you roll right. a five or six, whatever it is. Yeah, The Reds need, and they have three or four chances to get a leader on the random events table. They have to roll that to get their leaders. And then they have to roll a random leader as well. And then if you roll a random leader twice, if you roll a front twice, so let's say you're getting a leader, you get a random leader, and then you die roll to see where he goes. So maybe he's going to the south front. If you roll again and get south front, I think the leader comes off. It didn't happen in my game, so I don't know if that's a certain rule, but that's I kind of remember reading that. Oh, I don't remember. That hasn't happened to us, so I haven't seen that, but curious. And then there's another, I mean, it's not a random event, but it effectively is one. At the very beginning of the game, you roll oh. to see if the Zard survives. <laughs> right. And that makes a big difference for the Whites, because if he survives, then you get an automatic uh, rally, rally every single turn. And if he dies, you don't get that. And, you know, rallies are only on, for most guys, only on a one or a two, and some guys only on a one. So that automatic rally in a key place because the Tsar is, the czar is still alive, that can make a big difference too. Especially considering the Reds have the Red Train. Yeah. And everything adjacent to the Red Train, when the logistics chit comes out, rallies for free. And so that's super important. And... The Reds are obviously going to protect that and use that strategically. So to have that for the Whites is also big. And that's, yeah, I agree. I cheated and just said, yeah, he's alive. (laughs) I'm not rolling this. I'm playing solo. We're going to just say he lived. (laughs) Uh, I think it does a good job of like, look, obviously the Whites got their ass kicked. Things did not go well for them. Historically. But I think it makes a good game out of the situation because the Reds have so much to do. And as the Whites player, you're just observing, like, okay, where are their best units going, and where can I harass them and annoy them? And where can I set up a strong attack? Because, one, you need to be frugal with your units as a White, because if they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. And two, like Rich said, a lot of them kind of suck. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. I think it's, it's very it's a good. Fun game. It, 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 it's funny because it feels like it plays like a light two, three, maybe four hour game, but it actually lasts a lot longer than that because there's, there's a bunch of terms in the game. Like I said, we, I've played, I think two or three sessions and we're only probably about halfway done. So, I mean, I would imagine if you want to play the full game, it's going to be, uh, probably a ten to twelve hour game. So it it's not not. You think so? I think so. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think if you play the full thing, it is. But but it doesn't it doesn't feel as heavy as other games that are of that length. It feels like a lighter game. You know what I mean? I agree a hundred percent. I I so overall, it's not very rules dense. I like the decisions. I'm not completely sold as this being like the greatest chip pull game ever and it's not i'm not completely sold on the combat system i am coming on the side of random events as a plus as a whole i think if this was like like i said if you put this game a ton maybe you see some bias with the random events not going in your favor but i think it's light enough that i i don't i don't really think it it matters i do think some of the terrain rules seemed unclear like rivers are negated if attack is coming from a unit on the river hex, which is just like 
a weird way of saying how you negate river stuff. I struggled with that. But yeah. other than that, there was nothing in the rules where I'm like, what? How does this work? So, overall, a nice, solid recommendation from Patrick. Yeah. Uh, and that's who I've been playing with. So, Before you give your final thoughts, sure. here's what Patrick said. For a game that is 21 years old, it's got modern mechanics that we would expect from any new game. The balance is incredible for a game that has such different factions, and if it was made today with the typical high-dollar GMT treatment, it would be one of the best sellers of the year, in my honest opinion. Minor foibles would be the basically useless part of the map in the Far East, but that's it. If you can find this game, buy it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. That's, we, you know, you and I both do like to talk about any negatives to the game, and basically a third of the map, nothing happens on. So that could be cut out, and, you know, but... You know, it, it also doesn't take that long to deal with that third because when you pull that shit, it's <laughs> that's right, gonna be sure. that's gonna be a two minute turn. Right. In 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 the right games it could become relevant. I mean you can kind of say that if you never roll allied intervention forces right. offensive, they're largely irrelevant, but I think it just kinda depends. Yeah, and if you should manage to get that one spot from him and he's trying to get all the Russian cities now he's got to trek his guys all the way across the desert to go take it back. Do you have any negatives? Just that. Um, I mean, okay. it's it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed the game quite a bit. Yeah, I I was very pleasant. One, it was a game I had never heard of when Patrick picked it. I didn't even know this existed. Two, I feel like you and I both have really found and appreciated chip pull games. Yeah. And we're or random activations. <laughs> you know, name your random activation. Yeah. Um, and so that was nice. I I do think it has some showing of its age with how terrain is applied. Um, the combat system, I don't get why. Why are we multiplying for such a swingy, even if the difference isn't that big, why are we doing that? And I just don't, I don't yeah, know what the reason is. I guess I liked it just because it's different. Um, and this one, it took me a while, little while to grok, but then I picked it up pretty quickly. Unlike another game that has a sort of odd combat system, uh, Genesis, which I never quite wrapped my hind- head around. So that one, I love Genesis I know you do. combat. And, and see, and I think we're, it's just, it's, it's very different though. And I think, I think when you see something that's very different, it's, you're kind of on that knife edge of which way you're going to go with it. You know what we didn't even mention is we're going to talk about another game that uses multiplication. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's and not to spoil things. System. It does. That one. And they're both. Well, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it later. All right. Well, Patrick, first off, thank you for the recommendation. I agree. I think Reds is worth. I want to pay the Noble Knight prices for it because I think it's, you know, the price of a gcacw title which is ridiculous if you found this in you know at a vendor at historic fest i would absolutely grab this because there is a shorter scenario so if all 24 turns of the full game do take you that long there's a much shorter one-year scenario that i think is you don't try to capture every city um the reds have to do like one or the other like control every resource or or take over poland yeah you could even jump in like eight turns in when world war one ends and the poles sort of join in and i mean that would be a great place to start the scenario start a game 
Yeah, I don't know how you do that though, because there's some. I feel like there's some opening strong moves on the whites. Yeah. Um, taking Rostov, getting the gold, those resource hexes. So like, if the whites, what's interesting is the whites have a, a, a track that they need to stay on pace with, or the Allied intervention forces leave. Right. <laughs> so, um, and that's kind of cool, but. I do you have an immediate floor or ceiling for this? So I uh, I have a ceiling, which is Thunder and those arcs, the other chit pull game on our list. Um and it's below that. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say below that. I wasn't in this one, I wasn't thinking of floor or ceiling. What I was I was sort of going the opposite direction in this one. I was kind of looking at an area that I think it's going to fit in. Okay, where were you looking? So I was looking in the 25 to 30 range. So 25 is Sword Ooh. of Rome, 30 is Men of Iron Tripack. Okay, it's not as good as Men of Iron Tripack. So below that, you've got SPQR Deluxe, which I haven't played. I like this better than Washington's Crossing, which is at 33. Really? Yeah. Okay, I don't like this as much as Operation Pegasus. Okay. Um, so there you're talking about, it's crazy to think that a game from 2001 is like distant gaming memory yeah. because Operation Pegasus is 42 years old and this is 21 years yeah. old. I haven't played Pegasus either. So Operation Pegasus has more, I like it more as a game as a whole, but it, sh- it has more rust starting to show. Yeah. Right. Like it has more bumps and bruises and more flaws, but as an overall experience, I like it more. I'm somewhere in that area. You so you like this more than Washington's Crossing. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and you like this more than NATO Air Commander, yeah. which would be the other. Okay. Yeah. All right. I can buy that. Men of Iron is the next game you've played, right? Right, and uh, uh, that's why I was saying, kind of this area. Um, Men of Iron, because there's so much in there. I mean, Men of Iron is like getting 30 magazine games, so <laughs> I right. think I'd put Men of Iron higher. Okay. I think then I'm I let's put it between 32 and 33. I if you ask me today which one I liked more, I would just say Operation Pegasus just on gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Um also Operation Pegasus just feels more of a unique gem. Like, yeah, this is cool. Everything we talked about is cool, but I'm not convinced that this game is like on the brink of greatness or anything like that. It just it also still feels very much just like a hex encountering game. So yeah. that makes sense. Reds. Oh, full title. We'll get that later. <laughs> Forty. All right, that's Reds. All right. Nice. And we got a two well, for today. Patrick. We're not done. We do. We do have a two for uh so patrick picked that one everyone else voted the patrons vote for brotherhood and unity which also has communists in it yes a 2020 release from compass games designed by tomislav tipchik uh covering the yugoslav war specifically the bosnian war this is a three-player game one player is playing the serbs serbians one player is playing the bosniaks and one player is playing the croats um so I want to, you know, when I very first started this podcast, I had this grand idea of like reading books and doing all this research, and that never happens. We don't have time for it. But I did intentionally want to consume as much about this conflict as I could because it's so interesting. And what I found, the best description I heard was someone calling it a war of polarity and division. 
And what that means to me is this, everything with the Yugoslav war was just a complete mess. And when Tito, the communist leader of Yugoslavia was in power, there was this concept of brotherhood and unity. And my takeaway of it was we're going to ignore all of our differences and come together as one, but to such a level that it's to our detriment, we're going to suppress any sense of nationalism or uh, religion or anything like that. And we're one Yugoslavia and whether that's a good idea or a bad idea, I'm not there to comment on that. But as soon as Tito dies, Yugoslavia falls apart. Then you start having what's who Slobodan Milosevic. Yes, in the east, in Serbia, who was basically like the right-hand man for the communists in Serbia. Then they start getting this identity of nationalist Serbia. And then you kind of have the Croats start doing the same thing. And then so you start having these like regional conflicts and it just devolves into a huge mess. And this covers the fighting over Bosnia, including Sarajevo. Um, what I What I thought was interesting here is when this game doesn't, there was a very strong, a lot of fighting, I should say, between Croats and Muslim forces, which isn't as depicted here. And maybe that was just a little bit later. No, I there's, I mean, really only one card that lets you bring the Muslims in. And the way the outside forces are portrayed in this game, they usually don't stay in. So Right. And so, and, and like, how do you, when you have all of these different conflicts popping up in all everyone fighting for a different identity. I don't know how you represent all of them. I did like, as I consumed more, I was like, huh, it's interesting that the game keeps this between Serbia because at some point, you know, the Croats and Bosniaks kind of work together on supply lines. Right. In, in the, my war gone by book, he was talking about at some point, the Serbians and Croats were working together against Muslim forces. They Serbians weren't and Croats were okay. not in combined arms or like on this on the same side, but they were there was at least enough peace where radio communications for strikes or observations like base not like oh we're allies now, but anyways that's so all these different national religious identities basically in a crumbling Yugoslavia all trying to fight for their claim for their own independent Serbia and Croatia and Bosnia. And that's the setting and overview. Do you have anything to add to that, Rich? Setting and overview, or do you want to go into the game itself? No, 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 overview. I'll let you talk about the game. I don't know if you want to talk about anything about the Yugoslav Wars or, or yeah Bosnia I really or unfortunately I just I don't know that much about it I didn't get a book to read on this I started watching there's a good documentary on YouTube uh, by the BBC Yugoslavia death of a nation but the yep. problem is you have to actually watch it pretty closely because they're all speaking not English and it's in subtitles so it's not something you can just sort of have on in the background and listen to and it having to make any sense so I I loved that by the way, there's also a book of the same title. What's interesting about that documentary is it's before the end of all the Yugoslav wars. Okay. But it is super informative, especially on the early stuff. And I, I highly recommend it. I, I watched it in year, right? All the subtitles and stuff. But 
So the short of it is this is Bosnia during the early 1990s and everything's a mess is <laughs> the very short description. Yeah. Let's talk about the game. Yeah, the game itself is um it's it's another one map game. Um it's it's just one map of of Bosnia with a sort of inset map of Sarajevo the Sarajevo region. So that map is accessible, but it's basically you've got it's it's a point to point map. So you've got these different uh, control areas all over the map. And then Sarajevo is one of those points. And then it also has an inset map where it has maybe a dozen of those points inside it. So it's a card driven game. Um, so everyone gets there's there's similar to Pass of Glory. You have like early war and late war cards. Um, it's just early and late. There's no it's not three levels like there are in Pass of Glory, but um, you start off with cards that are going to um, give, well, really, each, let's drop back a second. So it is a very asymmetric three-player game. Um, the Serbs are, especially earlier, just going to be attack, 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 whereas the, uh, the the Bosnians and Croatian are especially early going to be more defensive and then they'll they'll get to attack more later and then the cards will will do these as well everyone's got their own deck of cards so um one thing i will say is um we only played this on vassal matt you've played this one actually on the table if when you play the whole game do you how many of the cards do you use do, do you use maybe most okay. i think there's like about six if i remember okay. right because i the remember early war cards that you don't use i don't remember how many late war cards you. Don't yeah use. because i remember even just playing it twice through um it, even the second time through it was still fun but it just felt a little samey because it was the same cards so even after only playing one time through i was sort of waiting for a certain card to come out so it's not like it's got a big, huge deck of cards. Maybe that card's going to come out. Maybe it's not. It's probably going to come out. So um, it is a card-driven game. That's the way it is. Um, it is a three-player game. So there's a, a little bit, at least, of, you know, politicking between the three players where, you know, um, you know, Big Bad Serbia is coming in. We need to not be attacking each other. We have to protect ourselves against him. Oh, yeah, but here's um, a space of that you're currently occupying that I really need. Um, I will say that's one of the things I liked the most about the game is that not every player cares about every area. And this goes to what you were saying about the political situation at the time. Each of the regions is marked as like, only the Bosniaks care about this one or this area, the Serbs and the Croatians care about. So even say there's an area that the Serbs and the Croatians care about, the Bosniaks might still want to take that just to sort of punish and take victory points away from the Serbs. But for the most part, you're limiting yourselves to offensives in the areas that are specifically marked on the map as your areas of interest. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And that drives your overall strategy as well. I yeah. agree. I, I think it's, Especially it it allows the Croat player to be of interest because they have such fewer they have fewer forces, they also have fewer regional areas they care about, so it keeps them in the game. Mm -hmm. Um and so you at the end of the game you're punished for not having those spaces. Chances are so you'll lose points if you don't have a region you're supposed to have. Mm -hmm. Chances are you're not you're not going to have several of your reason regions if if someone has all of the regions they've either automatically won or or they're very clearly going to win 
Um, and those regions are made up of regular cities and then also key hexes that are or squares that are outlined in red. And this is another super interesting about this game. When you capture those red squares and you take over those regions, not only are you picking up points, but when you capture the red square, you also lose foreign will, which yeah. or foreign, foreign attitude, attitude yeah. which is your way of pissing off the whole world. And at level one, you start losing fuel and your movement is reduced and you can't advance. You can't get the bonus advance after combat at level two. You start taking airstrikes. Yeah. Which and the other level, players get to roll against you. At level three, you're really flirting with disaster. And then if you ever reach level seven, you lose the game. Yeah. You're out and the game's over. And then you find the next winner. Yeah. The other two players determine among themselves. So the game immediately ends. The other two players, one of those will be the winner. And there are cards that forces the other another faction to lose. We never. I I feel like in our in person game, I flirted with that as the Serbians, but mm-hmm. very quickly boosted my foreign will. I don't think there's enough cards to be like lose one, lose one, lose one, lose one. You know, it's just like oh, you're at six, lose one, game over. That's so like you would never want to drop to six. Yeah. Because those cards exist. Yeah, I think I only got into even airstrike territory once, and that was very brief. I think it was actually the last turn of the game when I didn't care anymore. I was just trying to take some points away from Serbia. There are also, uh, Bosnia can drop UN hexes, and those also affect foreign will and limit the space, what can be done. If you capture a a UN square, obviously, you also make movement. Yeah. I think it triples the penalty, doesn't it? yeah it's something that you don't really want to mess with but sometimes you have to uh i've seen serbians bosnians win and i feel like when bill won in our game as serbia Mm -hmm. i feel like i was we were all very close but i think i was four points off of him as croatia and so that was it was very close i've never seen Croatia win but yeah that was the one that I, I played the Bosniaks and I was trailing until the end when I took Sarajevo and then I was still in third but I was close at least yeah and the game is well balanced there are Bosnia starts with like a 24 point advantage mm-hmm. just just by final scoring standards there's no way to adjust that um, and so that's kind of how the game is forced to balance Again, I think with how the regions are set up, it, it feels like a lot, especially as Serbia, like, whoa, I got a lot of work to do early. But I think it just balances out the game better and makes the game more enjoyable for everyone. Let's talk about combat. The I will say the card-driven element, it's a very light card-driven game. There are four operations, actions. You can activate them for strategic movement, doing long-range movement, build points, increasing your foreign attitude, or as a an operation to move an attack, or then uh, if you designate them for attack, they get a free move. So very limited menu of options, and then of course you can play them for the events. You can also play them as die roll modifiers or reactions, but that seems kind of rare, other than maybe use them for the die roll modifiers. Not many of the reaction events got played in our games. Yeah, I saw a couple here and there, but not too many. Yeah, sometimes so re- you use them to, to reinforce... Uh, space that's about to get jank you know right jumped um so combat is you you tally up your strength and let's say i'm coming at you and you can get some pretty good sized combats like attacking from four different squares stacking's three guys yeah yeah uh, so, so could, let's 
Yeah, go ahead. Let's just say I'm coming at you with 24 attack points. I roll a die, and there are some very nasty die roll modifiers, like if you're attacking into a city or across a river. Um, but let's just say I roll... And it's a D10. D10, so no curve here. Um, let's just say I have no die roll modifier and I roll a 6. You multiply your attack modifier by... Uh, the combat results table is a range of numbers for multiplying your combat factors. So a six, you're going to multiply by one. On a nine, you're doubling. Uh, so if I had 24, now I'm at 48. If I roll a one or a zero, I'm quartered. So let's say I'm quartered on a zero. I'm now only coming at you with six. And how combat losses work is if I'm quartered to six... You have defensive points that basically eat those six, and so you as the defender have to eat as much as you can. So if I It's like you, Paths of Glory if you've played that. If if I hit you for eight and you have a six defense counter and a six defense counter, you can only eat six of those eight because you you go to like the full allotment. You don't reduce two guys. You just take what you can. Yep. Um there are some really strong operations cards, especially as the Serbians, where your attacks like negate terrain and you get a plus four die yeah, roll modifier. Yeah, negating terrain is huge, and a lot of them also give you pre-attack artillery oh, yeah. barrages, which right. will let you reduce guys on a like a number of like three to nine or something like that. And some of them, I mean, you can reduce an entire stack before you even actually do your attack. Yes. The reason I wanted to spend time talking about the combat is I think it's my least favorite part of the game. And it's not terrible. It's not bad, but it's like, all right, I'm going in. I'm going in. Oh, I'm quartered. Oh, you're yeah. quartered. And, and we I do mean, nothing. Yeah. So particularly, like if you're attacking and you don't have one of those cards that gives you clear terrain, you're going to get a lot of minus six rolls. And I'm at yeah, a minus, minus six, six minus roll four on a D10. Like you're you're just not going to do anything. Yeah. So, yeah, that could be very frustrating. I think the second game we played, you know, you had one of those key spaces. You had a bunch of guys in there, and it's got, like, the, the urban terrain, and I think maybe even had a river, or you had a trench in there, I think it was. And, you know, I hit it two or three times with everything I had, and eventually I'm like, well, I'm just never going to get this spot because I'm rolling minus six against it the entire game, and you're not going to have to retreat out of it, so I just left. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, I think, it, I mean, it forces you to be choosy with your comments, which makes sense, because what I've learned about this war, to a certain extent, I'm not an expert, is that's just not how it went. Like, there were no, there weren't massive, maybe there were, a lot of the operations were not massive joint efforts. You know, it was... yeah. Yeah, it Very, was not, in the street fighting sure. or minor operations or just battle lines where lines are drawn up and there is no movement for a long period of time. Yeah. In general, it, this one feels it's got a little bit of paths of glory in it and it feels coin more than anything to me. What? It does. It, I mean, it's because it's card driven and because it's it's three factions competing against each other. And I don't I, I don't hate mm. coin as much as you do. So I don't take that as a negative. I'm just saying <laughs> no, that's no. that's how the game felt to me was like Pass the Glory meets coin. But what I did like about it a lot is that 
it plays really quick. I mean, even yes. with like three players that don't haven't really, you know, we're going back into the rule book looking stuff up. We haven't played much. It still plays easily in three, four hours, more like three hours, I think. No, we Rich, we played in two hours every night. Was it that quick? I thought it was more like three. Like but. maybe, well, because I go to bed at 10 every night and I don't <laughs> recall ever like wandering up like super late and we started at eight o'clock, right? Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, so it does play quick. I mean, it's it's only four turns and the the, the hand size, it's, it's variable, but it's basically an average of each player six gets about seven. six cards. Yeah, so each player plays six cards four times and that's the game. Yeah, I, I mean, there's not a lot of, broadly speaking, I really enjoy this game. There are some things I would change. Again, not a huge fan of the combat. I would also maybe bring more diversity to, or some asynchrony, make the make the factions more yeah. asynchronous. Or I'd put um, more cards in there. That'd, that'd be my number one thing. I mean, With more would, unique effects. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see every game where you don't know what cards are coming. And like I said, even after only two plays in the second play, I knew what was coming. So that would yeah. be my number um, one thing. I would, I would agree more diverse cards, more cards. And maybe just a little bit more meat on the bones here without increasing time, which I understand that's a big ask, but like leaders or, you know, you had all these big personalities and, and they are those, portrayed on the card. Yeah, they're on the cards, but usually it's it's just the if if you have a leader card, it's going to be like a one-time quick bonus that's just going to be for that activation. And it's it won't I, I might be missing some. There are a few things that lasted a full turn or sometimes even the rest of the game, but most of the stuff it's just you play yeah. that one card and it's over. Right. And also I think the foreign forces they're cool. But their effectiveness is very limited because right. they're only there for a full turn, and then they have to sit out a turn before they can come back. And to bring them on, it costs you four and will, except for one very. I don't think we saw them in in our in our online games. I saw them in person. There are factions that do come on when the card is played with no foreign attitude adjustment, but they're very weak. Yeah. Um. So. You know, it's tough to say, like, I want more from it, but also I do respect that it plays in two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a quick game day game for sure. And it's fun. I mean... Yes, it's there, fun. There are, there are things about it that I would definitely like to see better, but it is ultimately, it's a fun game to play. I That's a very nice, very good way to uh, sum it up. And I, and I don't disagree with you. I'm not like, wow, this is the best game I've ever played. It's a good point to point i was going to say hex encounter but there are no hexes square encounter three player which should also be applauded Mm -hmm. very easy to teach uh game with not a lot of issues and that's good it's a good situation let's talk recommended reading obviously my war gone by i miss it so that was the book i read for it yugoslavia death of a nation by lauren silber and alan little that's the same name as the youtube documentary you could watch the YouTube documentary. You could read this book. This book was also published before all the Yugoslav wars were done, which I think they were done in 97. And this book came out before that. But that was one that was recommended to us. I did not get a chance to read it. I I just went with the, my war gone by one uh, and then watched the YouTube documentary and got somewhat of a understanding of what a mess Yugoslavia was after Tito's death. 
Uh, any final thoughts before we rank it, Rich? Mm, no, I think that's it. I don't. I don't have any reading to add to that. So, yeah. All right. Uh, well, I guess we should have done the intro for Reds, but we didn't. But uh, we have a list. <laughs> we have a list of every war game ever made, ranked from best to worst from in best each month. To Zeppelin Raider. From best to Zeppelin Raider, in each month we take one, two, or multiple games and rank them. And as we've said so many times, we're merely merely the mud sculptors the clay sculptors as the wheel spins around we just supply our hands together mm-hmm. as one collective effort to give shape to the every war game ever list this will be our now 54th game because yeah. we already ranked reds how many more to go well we got a choice we can either do 54 more or we can play every game that either of us own no well, i think it's no. both of us yeah. Both of us own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no unplayed games on our shelves. Then we'll just stop. <laughs> our, our grandkids will carry on our legacy. <laughs> Last time you gave an area, I've got a floor and ceiling immediately for this. Floor for this is Angola. Just because I'm, I'm thinking in terms of like multiplayer games. So Angola's 43. Angola's also in the area of like, eh, that game's fine. And then ceiling for this, I completely forgot what I had in mind. <laughs> so I guess I just have a floor. I really did have something picked out for the ceiling, and I can't remember where it was. I think I was thinking card-driven game, but I don't, yeah. I don't remember what what it was. So let's let's talk about like, do you like this more than Reds? They're so different. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. I, I, Is there an area you were looking then? Well, no, that's where I'm looking actually, and I, it's because I mean, yeah. I mean, if you go up a little higher, like Men of Iron Tripack, I like that better. Okay. So going down, so I'd I'd say that's a definite ceiling. Men of Iron Tripack, going down to a floor. Um, I think this, yeah, this is better than Pavlov's House. So that'd be thirty-seven. So yeah, we're right in that Reds, Washington's Crossing, seventeen fifty-four, NATO Air Commander. This is better than 1754. Yeah, and I think it's... 1754 yeah. is so light. I do like some things in 1754, but this is better. Yeah, so, I mean, we're right in there. Again, we're just where we were, Reds and Washington's Crossing. Um, huh. I think, I think actually, I like... I definitely like this better than Washington's Crossing. Okay, I can do buy I that. I like it better than Reds? I think Reds might be a better game, and this one might be a little more fun. Yes. And that's why it's difficult. <laughs> this, I agree. Because what I was going to say is this has, if you were to make improvements to either game, I think this had would have more potential. Yeah. Adding in some more historical flavor. Adding in some bones, some chrome, and then adding in more cards would really elevate this game. Reds has probably reached its peak. It just needs some cleanup, and it's mm-hmm. also 21 years old. Yeah. Both of them have wonky combat systems. Yep. Neither of them have massive you go I go turns. I mean, they're almost about as dead even as you can get. My my gut is like, okay, now you're really getting into the nitty gritty stuff. Reds is doesn't have a lot of selling point to it. This is really nitpicky stuff here. And Brotherhood Unity is three player and covering a very unique topic. Not that Russian Civil War yeah. is as popular as something like Stalingrad or something, but 
Yeah, if if I can't decide, I'm going to play the one that's more fun, and I think Brotherhood Unity is a little more fun. I like it. We're the fun podcast, Rich. <laughs> We're not like those other stuffy podcasts. That's right. You hear that, old gods of Appalachia? <laughs> You're stuffy. All right, We're number... We're going to have RPG coming out now, too. Number 33, which was previously occupied by Reds. So, Brotherhood Unity, number 33... Red's number 34. Number one, the U.S. Civil War. Number 54, Zeppelin Raider. Yes. Okay. So, but we have a few questions, or one question to round out the show. But before we get to that, we have to talk about October's pick. So here's how it works. We have a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash history table. You join for as little as $2 a month to support the show. And if you do that... We have sporadic chats. I wouldn't really call them monthly. We have sporadic chats. I buy you a beer at Historic Fest. And then every month you get to vote on our featured games. So Patreon's picked Brotherhood and Unity. And then we've we've featured Patrick's game because there's another level where you can do a thing where uh, we feature your game. We have one of those in the queue just waiting for someone to decide on their game. But you can still go do that. Anyways, we're here to stump for our games what you should go and vote for of the six seven eight nine games we give you to pick from here's what we should think all right rich what should patrons vote for in october uh i'm gonna go with into the woods which is the uh gmt shiloh great battles of the american civil war game i'm just throwing that out there um because i just it's it's something different than i have been playing um it's it's we don't I don't think we have any GBACW on our list at all. We haven't done anything Civil War in a while, so that's that's my pick to throw out there. I love it. I love it because that is our... If you go back and listen, how many times do we say, oh, I got to play that, I got to play yeah. it? Is GBACW our next like big dog to fall of games where we're like, got to play it, got to play it? Yeah, might be. All right. They get to decide. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test your memory here. If you, if you can't remember, that's okay. There's a game I've talked about before that I've said, if I play the campaign game, I think it will rank as not the best game ever, but the, the best of this type of game. And I've said that if I spend more time with it, I think it's the best of this type of game. Does that ring any bells? Is it a Civil War game? It is not. Oh. Hmm. Is it BCS? Close. OCS? It is. Which OCS are we talking about here? OCS Korea. Oh, yeah, I love that game. That's so good. <laughs> and this is not a promise to play the campaign yeah. in October. I may try to like make a dent in it, but over the summer or spring, as before the second it's before a second child came, so or spring, I guess, I played a short scenario and it's like, wow, even this short scenario is really good. So my pick for October is OCS Korea. Yeah, that's so good. I've played that one. I haven't, obviously, I haven't played the whole uh, campaign on that one either, but OCS is another one I've been looking at lately, thinking about getting back into. That's, you know how it is. I mean, so many good games out there, so many on oh my, my shelf. Um, but yeah, OCS has definitely been niggling at the back of my brain lately. There are so many games I want to play right now. I've been pr- punching and prepping Dresden, Um in anticipation of the newest release from New England Simulations. Yeah. Um, not that they're related games, but I then found out, like, 
first off, the first 10 rules are the standard game. So there's like a very basic standard game. And I was like, this is perfect. Like, I don't have to like read 40 pages of rules and I can play a Napoleonics game. So I really want to play that. That was almost my pick, but I was already set on OCS Korea. So I have lots of interests all over the place. I just, there's just a million more games I want to play right now. I know. And they keep coming out with more. Oh, boy. I have the hiccups. Uh-oh. Oh, indeed. So, speaking of war games. Limits for those. Yes. Thank, thanks, Chesty. <laughs> Chesty. Uh, <laughs> See, you're already in Korea. You got Chesty Puller on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Chesty Puller is uh, he's a Marine. I, yeah, I know who yeah. Chesty Puller is, but Chester is... Yeah. But yeah, I guess maybe Chester <laughs> Nimitz didn't go by Chesty. I don't think so. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. He went by Busty. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Busty. Uh, so, speaking of games we want to play for the rest of the year, Rich and I are using our host Fiat. So... Don't don't be a patron expecting to vote in November, <laughs> December. So go vote in October, take a pause, come back in January because we've planned out the rest of the year for everyone. We've solved all your woes. It's time to get a couple of these games to the table. Yeah. Rich, you've kind of picked one based off your praise for something, and I've kind of picked one because it's the year of Finnish Naval Wargaming, right. and it's a game you just picked up, and we've alluded to this. That's right. November is Second Fleet Month. And so, of course, the featured drink of November, since we are in the Atlantic, will be Commander-in-Chief's Pacific. So we'll drink sink packs. That only fits for Second Fleet. In December, we'll drink Bud Light Wine because we're in Pacific War. <laughs> no, it's six packs. As long as you don't make me eat, like, Ludafisk or something in November. Pickled herring. <laughs> Uh, sync packs the rest of the year. So November will be second fleet. That's our featured game of November. December is the game that Rich is all horned up for. That's Pacific War. Yeah, I'm excited to see to play more of that. So yeah, I've been playing it a lot, and no reason to take it off the table now. I guess I could just scoot it to the side a little bit to get second fleet up. Although that might just be a vassal game. We'll see. I love the look of. There are some bookkeeping aspects of the fleet games that mm-hmm. surely someone's come up with a better thing for like, where did the, where was this plane based at is sure. Kind of the, yeah. So vassal may help tremendously with that. Cool. Uh, all right. So that's the rest of the year, October patron vote. We'll have OCS Korea into the woods and five or six other games you can choose from November is second fleet. We're finally tackling the fleet series in December, the big daddy war game Pacific war. And in December, the list opens up for modifications. Modifications, ads of games that will never. Tarawa probably go on the list at that Koenigsberg point. Konigsberg 45. <laughs> Konigsberg 45. All of that stuff can plop onto the list. Just because neither of us, you may play Tarawa at some point, but it doesn't warrant a full description, and we can just get it on the list. Yeah. We'll also do our end of the year stuff. It's. I was in Lowe's getting some grass seed this weekend, and they had all the Christmas trees up. And I know I sound like a grumpy old man bitching about this, but it's December 23rd is when I was in Lowe's, well, and you're putting Christmas stuff up. Yeah. I mean, I, I sing in a, a chorus, and we've been doing Christmas music for two months now, 
practice because, you know, we got to memorize like 20 songs by the middle of December. So we can't wait to start on those. Oh, boy. That's a, that's a long stretch of Christmas. Either. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, we'll be done with it. We'll be done by with Christmas music two weeks before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's the rest of the year here, folks. Yeah. End of the year vote. We'll have our guest picks. And I think we'll also do a fan vote on some of our best of stuff. We'll do a Google poll that you can vote for some of your favorites of the year of 2022. We have plenty of time. Let's, we have a listener question from Patrick. Nice. You want to read it? Yeah. Do you want to see more games moving forward using a chit pull mechanic? What games or settings would you like to see stay? Stay, you go, I go. Or I said, I go, you go. Is I go, you go dead. Long live the chit pull. So I read it. So I'll go and answer first. I love chit pull. Um, but I've never had a game that was I go, you go that I it, the, like that that annoyed me about it. I will say that some games like you were just talking about OCS. Some of those OCS games are I go, you go and a turn can last an hour or two. Um, and that's just what it is. Um, if a game has an optional chit pull system like BCS does, I will usually elect to do it that way just because I think it makes it interesting. I'm a big fan of anything that throws an extra fog of war or friction of war and chit pull is a, an easy way to do that. Um, but it has to be, it has to fit with the game itself. Like a game like Pacific war would not make any sense at all to have chit pull, um, but if it's built into the game, I do like that mechanic. Yes. I have no issue with I Go, You Go. I do think I'm less inclined to do the monster I Go, You Go. And I think Rex on the Discord had a very good point. It's what do you mean by I Go, You Go? And... So Mark Simonich is, I move all my forces and attack and go through this phase. Actually, the whole, all of Mark Simonich's is, it's the German part of the phase, then it's the allied part of the phase. Mm -hmm. There's very little things you react to. And OCS is very similar, other than you have reactions to things. And then also, as Rex pointed out, you get the double turns, which can really drag on the I-go oh, aspect. Sure. Yeah, I didn't even think of, about that. I go, you go. Last hundred yards, not last hundred yards, line of battle is, that's my biggest knock of that game. That may be my favorite, um, none but heroes may be my favorite game other than this massive turns that the opponent takes and you don't really do a lot of reacting to. So the part I don't like is of I go, you go is when there is no zero interaction. Yeah. I go, you go is fine as long as the opposing player is doing something. It really sucks if you're there for three or four hours or if you're playing with a slow player and it's I go, you go. That's what's brutal. And so then I'm less inclined to tackle like a full Beyond the Rhine campaign game because it's so counter dense and there's so many moves and activations that player takes. Um, I do like chip pull and random activation. Just everything you said about... Anything that adds that randomness or fog of war or uncertainty, you know, blind swords is great for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. It's chip pull, and you also just don't know how effective everyone's going to be. I don't think, whereas we're hot on BCS 
in GCACW where you have alternating activations, that doesn't mean I've cooled on OCS. I think what it means is I'm more interested in playing the shorter scenarios of OCS and less diving into the deep end for the 108-turn monster games. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And I will say, um, I haven't started playing it yet, but looking ahead to November 2nd Fleet, I've been reading the rules for it. Um, that's sort of like a third in-between option as well. So in at least in Second Fleet, assuming they're all this way in all the fleet games, you've got three different types of movement. You've got subs, surface, and air. Um, and the two players will take turns moving one of those. So like the American player can say, oh, okay, I'm going to move my subs. And the Soviet player then says, so he moves all of them. Then the Soviet player says, well, I'm going to move my air. And then goes back to the American player and maybe... Doesn't make sense. He maybe the American player has no air at all, so he can either move his surface units or he can pass and move his air on the third phase. So that's kind of in between in that you you get to move all of your units of a certain type, but it still throws a little bit of I'm not sure what he's going to do next. You know, do I need to get my air units up into cap before he moves his surface units? Do I want to get my submarines to dive before he comes find them and stuff like that? So that's but again that's what I like about that, even though that's not chit pull, it's adding uncertainty to it. Do you, do you think if my, my biggest problem with I go, you go is not, is a game design problem and that's counter density, which makes your turns too long. That's not a, that says, what am I trying to say? That is a, very specific game design. It's not a broad, broadly speaking, game design issue for every game designer to focus. Do you think if you subtract the counter density aspect out of the I go, you go equation, meaning you're playing a small scenario, mm-hmm. do you have a problem with I go, you go? Knowing that if you're playing a scenario, it's only going to take 30 minutes, so you're not just sitting there on your hands yeah. waiting the entire time. Do you have a problem with war games where your opponent does everything they want to do? Yes. And I, you get nothing to respond? I still have okay. a problem with that. Okay. I mean, okay. I, and it's not necessarily, you know, game breaking for me because if it's a well designed game, that's built into it. I mean, even if you look at a game like Next War, which has. You know, we've talked about how great the sequence of play is, but I mean, you're still, I mean, it's still going to be, I go, you go. It's just, it's, it's broken into segments where, you know, I'm going to get to you move my units and then you get a reaction and then the elites go and then there's another reaction and, you know, and it depends on initiative turns, but ultimately it's, there's never going to be truly simultaneous. So it's just, it's, it is a matter of scale to some degree, but yeah, I mean, it's always a simulation, but yes, it, it can be a little annoying, you know, when you're, if you try to really put yourself into the shoes of the commander, what are these guys doing here? Why are they just sitting there letting the other enemy units walk around right. them? So, right. And yeah, it's harder. That's easy to do in tactical. Yeah. It, you know, just look at squad leader. Every time someone it's, I go, you go, you're activating all your forces. I know an upside of ATS is, it's impulse activations back and forth, mm-hmm. but at least the person not doing something can react to what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking that I, I mean, I love Stalingrad 42, but there's a whole lot of not doing anything for the other side. Yeah. And that is 
just about as close to I'm going to do everything for my side and then you're going to do everything for your side. Yeah. The game design is good enough that I don't think it's an issue, but I do think broadly speaking, I will generally prefer a game that somehow breaks up the decisions from I'm activating and doing everything I can for my entire board presence. You know, U.S. Civil War, you're limited. You're not moving the entire Union, every Union army on the map. You're doing an activation over here. You're doing an activation over here. And then, you know, the the game is bouncing back and forth yeah. enough. So I think, generally speaking, I would also agree that a game that breaks it up somehow, there's yeah. lots of different ways to break it up. I would prefer that. In most situations. What's the game that has the track on the side of the board where you can do things until you cross the track? Like to cross the zero on the track. Is that Fighting Formations? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I haven't played that. It's, it, is it? Is that what it is? I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. I, I haven't played it either, but I've seen it. And without playing it, that I thought looked like an interesting thing. Because it let you... You can do some yeah. little things, but as soon as you do too much, the enemy is going to get to take a reaction right and that's that's a game we should we should put that up for a vote because a, a new one got announced yeah that was one uh, of the things right, in yeah new finding was, formations. Uh, 29th infantry division i think i think so yeah so uh in short as i go you go dead no i think it's you know it's still present in a lot of things um and there's ways to counteract that broadly speaking i do love a good chip pull and random activation and all that stuff so yeah yeah same way i mean i like I said, it's not a game breaker for me, but that is a, a mechanic that I'm a big fan of. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, I think to um, Blitzkrieg Legend and Beyond the Rhine in OCS were super counter dense. And you say a couple hours, like some of those turns were three hour turns mm -hmm. just because there's so many things to move. It wasn't always that way, obviously, but uh nice 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 any other i don't really have anything else do you mm, not war game stuff you've been doing a lot of uh twitch streaming oh yeah, yeah most trains of it, around and stuff most of it has been <laughs> train sim world 3 which has been <laughs> awesome and then i started for for halloween and doing horror stuff i, I started a uh a grim dawn uh hardcore adventure mode that's not that's just a thing i'll do occasionally what I have been doing is putting up some of our war game plays. Uh, so we streamed both of our games of Brotherhood and Unity. Mm -hmm. One of them recorded, one of them did not. Uh, so those are one of those is available. And I already mentioned the Salerno game. And then going forward, we're playing Dominant Species Marine on Monday. We'll stream that. Nice. That video will be available. And then, yeah, everything, as long as my opponent's cool with it going forward, and it's not like a complete learning game for both of us, um, just because learning games can be a lot of silence and not much going on. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stream that stuff. Cool. Yeah, I might watch. Uh, well, no, I got to take the girl to volleyball, but I may uh, check out one of your dominant species. I, I've never played the marine one, and I was curious about that. I've played the original one. Yeah, do you like the original one? Um, It was interesting. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, it was fine. It was not, I wasn't in love with it, but it was fine. There you go. Just fine. <laughs> Rich Trapier, 2022. Yeah, quote me on that. 
Nice. Yeah. So that'll be Monday, and then I've got I've got like my whole. I was cleaning off some shelves, and I've got like my lineup of all right. Here's what I'm playing, and I've got OCS Korea pulled out. I've got Pacific War and Second Fleet and Dominant Species, and then Dresden, and then I've got um, Red River Campaign sitting on top. <laughs> nice. I'm convinced that all. I saw my uh, unboxing video for that on YouTube. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, we have great unboxing videos. We'll probably do for another one. Uh, yeah, I guess I'd have to buy a game first, though. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for us. If you're listening and you want to pop by, join our Discord. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes. Introduce yourself. Uh, Kansas City Historical Gaming Group is extremely close to coming back for real this time. I'm just waiting for them to put us on the calendar. Um, and it'll just be a Saturday in a month at likely tabletop, assuming it all works on the calendar, assuming it will. Anyways, it just, the only, um, the only restriction is it won't conflict with Kansas City, Kansas City Historical Gaming Group. I went to ASL Game Day this month, right? I saw that, yeah. I completely forgot to mention it. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was a basic uh, scenario. I played as the Brits, and that was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was a super fun scenario for me. I was on the attack the whole time. I don't think my my opponent enjoyed it as much. One, he's played a ton of ASL and probably more interesting scenarios. Yeah. And he just kind of held me off as long as possible. And then I didn't even have to take the buildings. I just had to make sure there were no good order German units in the buildings, which okay. kind of made the end. You know, it's always like you have to control it, which makes the right. end a lot more difficult. And it was it was great to play. Um, it had been a long time since I had played. I know you played in person ASL at Historic Fest, but it had been quite a while since I had played as well. Yeah, that's the last time I got to though. So. After uh after the work comes do- calls down in a couple weeks, maybe I'll uh, play ASL for the next St. Louis Historical Game Day. Nice. So if you're in either metro, keep an eye out for those. We've got a website, just historyonthetable.com. We've had a few articles go up. So uh, a great write-up from both Judd Vance and Rex Stites. Rex is on... so great. <laughs> I love really how you was. had like <laughs> an inch of copy and he had three feet of it. <laughs> well, what's funny is like I... I generally like I usually tell people like, hey, three to five sentences on the game. And he even said he counted the word count for Judd. Yeah. And then he's like, All right, I had the word count for Judd, and then I felt like I owed it to everyone to explain the games. And then he gave me his new <coughs> word count. And it was like three times as long as Judd. Yeah. I was like, Well, that's that's fine and fair. So actually there's a ton of great commentary from Rex on top five non eighteen XX train games. And then mine are there off to the start if you want to compare those to rex's commentary and then judd did top five quick filler games that was a lot of fun and kind of trickier to come up with than i thought it would be and then i did a i don't know what i reached out to you for a little bit on this um the do's and don'ts of historical board gaming yeah uh broad stuff and that was a fun article to write so all that's on the website go check it out historyonthetable.com easy to remember yeah rich You've got a Twitter where people can find yeah, you? I'm on Twitter. Find me at TrapeerJR, Trapeer Jr., or I think I'm STL Wargamer as well. It's the same thing. Yeah, and I'm on there at History Table Pod, but I think the best place to find us, pick up a game with us, play some Rally the Troops stuff, uh, is in our Discord. Yeah, definitely come there. It's good conversation there, and like you said, a lot of people finding games and talking about games, and it's good stuff. Entertains yeah. me while I'm at work. 
there was some good stuff about um scale and i you know there's obviously clear working definitions for armed forces of what strategic operational and tactical levels are and also it's very clear that there's overlap i thought it was really interesting we got like six or seven people with their own mm-hmm. iterate and not in like a bad way either right, not yeah, like no six or seven people saying like you're it. wrong <laughs> yeah but like he, like some people like nate gave a really good one like he's got shorthand for tactical he thinks line of supply operational supply and strategic economics just one word for each of them and it's like things like that uh it's it was good stuff it was a fun conversation mm-hmm. all right you got anything else rich no nothing else for me what's the how many games is missouri gonna win this season well they In already football. won two right so i feel pretty good about vandy okay Maybe, fair. probably south carolina so okay probably four you think four that's the all right yeah uh i'll take the over on that i bet they win more than four yeah because they're always going to beat somebody that sure they shouldn't and i mean back when they were you know not even good but even like decent like when they were winning eight or nine games a year it was always like one team that they would beat that they shouldn't and one terrible team that would beat them that shouldn't have so who knows i mean it's it's just it's so painful to even try to watch them (laughs) Well, Kansas is what five and zero oh now. <laughs> they're they're four now. Four and, and <laughs> for the for those who are waking up and saying, "Gosh, I got to listen to history on the table to find out the score of the K State <laughs> football game." Uh, K State is up thirty four to twenty seven on Oklahoma. Yeah, Texas Jeez. lost today too. Texas, oh, did they? Yeah, I think so. Good, good, good. good. Uh, they did in overtime. Yeah. They lost to Texas Tech. <laughs> Texas is back, baby. <laughs> Texas forever. Yep, they're leaving the uh, leaving the the Big Twelve in good fashion. All right, folks. Everyone have a good rest of your September. We'll be back in October. We have at least one other deserted island dads lined up. I'm thinking of really? changing the name of that to yeah, yeah, I, yeah. The feedback for that was great. Yeah. I think I'm going to keep it going. Nice. Uh, I th- I might change the name to like be more encompassing and like to like deserted island dice or something like that just yeah. to paternity leave is over back to work. Nice. And at some point we should do designers on the mic again. I just don't know who I want to talk to. I'm kind of picky on those. Like I don't want. Yeah. I think you had. I think you threw out uh, a question. It was a while ago, and we had some names on there that I thought would be interesting. Ed Beach. There's there's Ed mine Beach that would... I want to throw out there. Yeah, I I think that would be. I should probably reach out to um see if Ed would be interested. Yeah. No idea. Maybe when we do GCACW again. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm going to play I I got my annual Here I Stand game coming up next month. That'll probably be after we record again, so. Oh, yeah. So, I have I tried to do that the week between Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. And my in-laws are going out of town that week which means my usual is be like hey why don't like after our oldest was born like why don't you go over there and spend time with your family i'll just take the day <laughs> and like i've lost that so i don't i don't know if i'll get a here i stand game in or not yeah hope so when are you playing that uh it's october 
It's the last Saturday of October, whatever that awesome. is. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's like the 31st or so. Uh, it's pretty close to 29th, Halloween. it looks like. Yeah, it's, it's okay. that weekend. Nice. That's awesome. I, I'm. Do you know what side you're playing yet? Uh, no, no, I don't know. I just, I know we got six and they'll all be over here at my house, so. In person, yep. here I stand. I Absolutely. love it. Love it, love it. Awesome. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. We'll s- catch you on the flip side. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Try that one out. Good night, everyone. <laughs> All right.